0: Welcome to Broadcast Interrupted, we are back, it's been a while, but here we are. I'm Chirag and with me is Andy. Hi Andy. And who did we interrupt on this week's episode, Andy?
1: On this week's episode, we interrupted Libni Pacheco. Liebni is a architect, trained architect. Uh, he works at White Architecture in Sweden, uh, at the Uppsala branch of White Architecture. And uh, he works as a computational designer, basically. He's part of the computational team uh, of the firm. And um, how do I know him? I met him about five, six years ago in Beijing when I worked for Cross Boundaries Architects. And he was the project architect there that uh, I worked with uh, on quite a few projects that I was a part of. And uh, since then, we developed a, a working rapport that uh, went beyond uh, just the things that we worked on at, at work. And uh, we found a lot of common interests in terms of history, theory, just culture, finance, economics. This guy is uh, quite broad. And um, yeah, I've just kept in touch. And at some point, uh, Chirag uh, mentioned that uh, we must talk to him. So Chirag... What did you think
0: like you just mentioned that uh, this guy has a very broad uh, range uh, of perspectives on very different topics that was my um that was what made me so curious about him yeah. and that's why i wanted that we get him on the podcast mm-hmm. uh, i have always wondered what it would be to be an architect who has worked across continents, across countries, uh, um, in different uh, markets, and in different uh, 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 spaces, Mm -hmm. at different scales, to produce the kind of work that we call architecture today. Yeah, contemporary. Contemporary architecture today. Sure. And I thought that uh, it would be really important if we... uh, Because you mentioned that he was with you in China, and uh, then... When we had him on the podcast, he spoke about how he's worked in London, China, now Sweden. So it's been, he's been all over the place. And he's he's South American. (laughs) Yeah, of course. And he's South American and uh, he's a Venezuelan. And I thought that it would be great to just see what what are the perspectives that he has Mm -hmm. to share with us. And I think... uh, the conversation, uh, which was really long, <laughs> as always, uh, um, the, the the conversation brought out just how sophisticated he is when it comes to his uh, his design, his designing, uh, the way he designs. Because on one hand, we did speak to him a lot about uh, the things that he writes. Uh, he Uh, By the way, he has a a blog on Medium. We've put the link in the description for you to go and read it. Uh, That was also the primary topic of our discussion. Uh, But on one hand, where he talks about design theory, philosophy and history. On the other end, he is also so uh, serious and up to date about software's about how BIM modeling works today about all the other platforms that are out there you know whether it be rendering whether it be the way drawings are produced whether it be the way just how architecture and design is produced in today's time I think uh, he has a very um, uh, sophisticated outlook uh, towards that and I think quite holistic yeah and quite holistic and I feel it just um, was very refreshing to see someone uh, for whom the um, sort of binary of theoretical practice <laughs> and uh, so called commercial practice of architecture kind of collapsed. Yeah, yeah. Or has collapsed after all these years and all the experience that he's had. So, guys, uh, here is the conversation with Libni Pacheco. Uh, it will be released in two parts as all our other episodes. Uh, please have a look, uh, make sure to like, share and subscribe on our YouTube channel. We hope to bring you more such episodes coming soon. And, um, yeah, most importantly, let us know what you think. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, Libni. Hi, (laughs) Libni. Hey guys, how are you doing? Good, 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 good. So, how are you doing? All good?
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's it's sort of overcast, but it's quite light. Like the light is coming back. So,
0: so that's a no. thing to look towards. Something to look forward yes, to. Some some <laughs> vitamin D. Yeah, yeah. pulling win- you out
1: win- of the winter slumber. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Now the, the sunlight is uh, the sun is going out at seven in the afternoon
0: okay ah so you get a little so, okay. yeah in, day.
1: <laughs> in sweden
0: it's, i guess it's pretty extreme in terms of day and night yeah since andy has already revealed that you are in sweden the big reveal has happened so, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, I think the first question is uh, how did you get to sweden uh and where all have you been before you reached sweden
2: yeah um uh... It's very funny because uh, uh, my colleagues were all like puzzled, like, because uh, we are three Venezuelans working here in the, in the same office. Okay. Mm-hmm. We studied together at university back in Venezuela. Uh-huh. But we also happened, the three of us, we happened to be very close friends uh-huh. since uni. And they were all confused. It's like, wait, so you're friends? Yes. And you <laughs> studied together? Yes. And you come from Venezuela? yes <laughs> and you're here in Uppsala. yes <laughs> and and in the like,
1: same <laughs> office the same <laughs> and branch the
2: same and everything office. they were like what's going on like do you have some sort of dodgy deal of what's going on <laughs> but no so that that's the thing um uh one one of these uh friends came here uh, 15 years ago right okay. after we finished uh school
3: mm-hmm.
2: um and then she's been living here she's been a uh, uh, Working as an architect for for since then, mm-hmm. uh, and then we um, there were some openings here in uh, in the office uh, in Uppsala. Mm-hmm. So first, uh, the other friend, uh, his name is Axel. He was working actually in in Germany, in Meinheim. Oh, and okay. then he he wanted some sort of change, and then he got hired. Mm-hmm. And then uh, at the same time, I was trying to get him. To, to work with us in in beijing ah. uh, and he got interview and everything uh, because he knows german and then the, the partner in in uh, in the office in in beijing was also german and they were right. they were super happy yeah and then he said no i am staying in in uppsala so he stayed in uppsala and then a year later i also joined them because there was uh, an opening also here mm-hmm. and i wanted mm-hmm. to move uh, out of china and then and that's it uh, having said that, um, so the, I'm working now in Uppsala, in, the br- in a branch of White Architecture.
3: It's
2: an office that was founded in, in the 70s. Oh, all right. Uh, it works as a cooperative, so there is no bosses, no owners. Uh-huh. Um, the employees own the company. You have to work uh, 80% of your time. Um, to be able to buy shares, ah, uh, oh, to, be right. part, to be part of, of the company.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: Uh, and then everything is run, uh, it's quite horizontal. And then there is 11 different branches. Mm-hmm. Um, most here in Sweden, there is one in London, there is one in Oslo, mm-hmm. and now there is one in Frankfurt, but it just opened. So there is like ah, two or cool. three people because yeah. we won a couple of projects there.
0: Yeah. All um, oh, right.
2: And then every every office is sort of independent mm-hmm. but we share uh central services. Like for example the computational team is still central.
0: Mm. Okay. And uh, that or, it, that one is based in Sweden. Uh, I mean it is central uh, but it is still based somewhere or
2: Yeah, so the the office uh, the company was founded in Gothenburg but now okay. the central the headquarters are in Stockholm. So, okay. for example, the the most of the computational team is in Stockholm, but there is still other guys in in some of the bigger offices. Mm, uh-huh. And uh, yeah, and then the visualization team is also centralized.
3: Okay. Um, ah, cool.
2: So yeah, so I'm working in a, in, a, in our branch has uh, seventy people, and it's made mm-hmm. out of uh, uh, like a third is a landscape team. And mm. then the mm. other third is, uh, uh, well, half of the office is architects. Mm. And then the other one is more uh, project management and urban planners. And right. All right. The administration.
1: Okay. So they always and try to keep it pretty mixed up. Huh?
2: So ours, Uppsala was actually acquired by Gothenburg some time ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it used to be a landscape office.
1: Oh, all
2: right. um but with time because our uh, white is mostly an architecture company mm-hmm. so it has transformed more into an architecture uh okay. office though the the landscape team does most of the cool projects like uh, <laughs> like nice uh, like in, in terms of like a in national reach they, they they work mostly in the capital not even here in Uppsala. okay so it's, it's pretty cool um yeah.
0: I also think largely it's a very interesting structure. Uh, yeah. The way it is set up with uh, you saying 80% of your time, then you get some shares in the company. And so it's a very horizontal kind of a hierarchical system there. So I think it's a very interesting structure that you get to yeah. see uh, right here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the But before you k- reached uh, this office... You were in China and I believe before that also in London. So, can you just tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, how did
1: you you jump from, uh, let's say, you studied in Caracas, right?
2: In in Venezuela? I studied in Merida.
0: Merida? Merida.
2: At the end of the Andes.
0: Okay. Ah, Okay. All right. And then Um, from there, what happened? How did you.
2: So I studied there. Uh, it's a, it was a five-year uh, degree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the way it works is every, every semester. So the design studio is per semester. And then mm-hmm. every, every, every studio, uh, is, it starts with like a pavilion. And then mm-hmm. your last one is an urban planning project. So the idea is that we cover from the, almost like interior to urban design. So it's a very broad. Uh, Five-year program.
3: Yeah. Okay.
2: So the thing is <clears throat> that I did my internship uh, in London. Oh, all right. With this uh, small office called La- uh, Plasma Studio. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> okay.
2: And they were connected to uh, the the partners in that in that office were teaching at the architectural association. Mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. uh, that was part of my, my my plan of trying to get that Aha. internship. Mm-hmm. So um, by then I was trying to get actually two like my my options were then or uh, office there with uh, Monica Ponce de Leon and yeah. It yeah. was exactly the same strategy like because uh, they were teaching at Harvard back then. Mm-hmm. But Monica also studied in Venezuela uh, oh, from okay, office okay. there, and uh, and Eva Castro from Plasma Studio also studied in Venezuela. So there was sort of this connection. Uh, yeah, and back then, like GSD and the AA were doing the, the cool stuff. So right, I kind yeah. of wanted to be where the cool stuff was. <laughs> Wait,
1: which year is <laughs> yeah, this again? Exactly. The internship yeah. year? Which year is this?
0: Uh, this is uh, 2005. Hmm, okay. All right, yeah. So that's the time when uh, you were very interested in the GSD and, and a- yeah, yeah. A- I a- think time. Super
1: Critical happened like a couple of years before you went to London, right? At the AA? Yeah,
2: uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm mentioning this because then I, I, I made the link uh, with Plasma Studio, mm-hmm. did the internship there, uh, learned tons, uh, went back to, to, to uni, finished, and then I got again uh, back to London to work for them in 2008, mm-hmm.
3: 2009. So mm-hmm. It was yeah.
2: exactly the middle of the, the, the credit crunch, the economic crisis. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Great timing. <laughs> uh, yeah, so yeah, I have to leave. <laughs> they were firing everybody. Like Zaha was firing two hundred people. Foster was firing firing two hundred people. Um, and then, uh, so I went back to Venezuela. Mm-hmm. Uh, the crisis started in Venezuela. Mm-hmm. Uh, the economic crisis. Uh, it was really bad to find a work as a, as an architect, because um, uh, either you work for the government and you had to be corrupt. And, mm-hmm. and pay like under the table some money to get jobs or whatever or lie in the contracts uh, that you would like how much material that you have to lie um. Um, uh, or you would work for private developers which had uh, which had these uh, construction systems like the same construction system and they will be like build a hundred buildings exactly one after the other because it's the same uh construction system and then architects were hired just to i don't know change the color of the paint (laughs) in the facade (laughs) just because we could sign the projects off
0: right Uh, okay
2: uh so those were the two options so i ended up working in a in a recording studio Ah, and in in a in a tabloid in a newspaper oh okay (laughs) um I learned quite a lot of InDesign <laughs> in the newspaper.
1: <laughs> nice.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah. But then, yeah, it was no, there was no way. Like, I didn't earn enough money to pay for my rent, even. Uh huh.
1: Yeah.
2: So that's when uh, I contacted again the, 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 um, the guys from Plasma Studio. Uh, this was 2011. Uh-huh. Yeah. And by then, they had moved to China, to Beijing. hmm And then I say, hey, guys, do you have any chance of work there? Uh, Mm -hmm. And then, so I send this email. And then two weeks later, I was in Beijing.
0: Oh, Oh, wow. wow, Cool.
2: (laughs) It was like pretty crazy. Yeah. yeah, So then I ended up... Did you save
1: the last InDesign file? (laughs) (laughs) Control-S? It was there.
2: Sorry, that was bad. it was all... I hated it at the beginning because it was all these templates. Uh-huh. Yeah, Because it's this newspaper, everything is like templates, the style, titles, yeah. everything is a template and everything is like a grid. And I used to hate it. It's like, this is like horrible. Like where's my freedom as a designer? <laughs> 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 Artistic
1: uh, uh, freedom. Yeah.
2: yeah. But then you realize that may, sometimes we waste, waste so much time trying to redo everything from scratch hmm yeah. And sometimes it just doesn't make sense. Right. It's yeah. like, it's rather easier to use some sort of template. And then within the template, you you can be go a step further in your design because yeah. you have yeah, yeah. solved already much of the of this little thing.
0: But I also um, think it's... Uh, sorry, you can continue. I, I just... No, 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 tell yeah. me, tell me. No, I was just thinking like, uh, I think at every... Um, Uh, office that you work at, at the early part of your career, somehow, one kind of software takes a prominence that you are just constantly using that till you start like collecting these software when you spoke about this InDesign being the primary software, I remember doing my internship when I was in Mumbai and the first huh. time I, w- I just, the first internship, I just learned Illustrator. And then the next one, I just learned Rhino. Then the next one, I just, huh. uh, you know, it keeps you like, you kind of keep collecting it as you go at every office. There is a different, uh, a software takes a different prominence of sorts, huh. and then yeah. you kind of move forward. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> you were yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> no, so no. we reached Beijing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: We are in Beijing. Yes. So uh, <laughs> I actually started teaching first. Like yeah. the invitation ah. was to, to join them in an experimental master course at mm-hmm. Tsinghua uh-huh. University. Uh-huh. Okay. So I was in charge of the theory uh, part of, of, the, of the master course. Mm-hmm. So we okay. had like theory. Then we had some sort of like programming grasshopper. And then mm-hmm. there was the actual design studio. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we, we covered these three it was uh, last year's students that we got. Mm-hmm. Um, and this program ran for three or four semesters.
3: Okay.
1: Oh, cool.
2: And it was, it was kind of fun. So that's what I was doing first.
1: And this was um, also led by Eva Castro, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. So this is uh, uh, Eva. Uh, so she was, as I said, she was teaching uh, in the AA. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. She was the, the, head, uh, the head of the Landscape Urbanism Unit. Right, master yeah. unit, and then she moved to to Beijing, and she was still do being the the, the head of of the unit in in the AA. Right. but at, in parallel, she was leading this new unit in uh, in uh, in Tsinghua. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same same sort of idea, like landscape of urbanism methodology. um mm-hmm. And then, so I I taught there, and then like after uh, a year, maybe. Yeah. I started uh, also working for for the studio as such, like the architecture studio, the uh, Plasma oh, okay. Studio.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: And yeah, and then I, I I continued working for them just uh, as as, uh, as an architect in in Plasma.
0: Before working with, uh, and then
2: at, we <laughs> and met we...
1: at Cross Boundaries at some point.
2: Yeah. Yes, and then I I, <laughs> I moved to to Cross Boundaries.
0: No, that's nice. And uh, what? What do you think uh, you, like, as an architect now, what do you think, uh, how do you think you engage with uh, society or, like, people outside of architecture, through your architecture? How do you think, what what do you feel you do as an architect, to put it? Yeah, uh, especially with
1: going across so many sort of cultural differences and how you've uh, learned to read the world or culture in general. How do you see your role, I
3: guess?
2: Mm. Mm. So, like, for London, it it, it was always about, like, uh, being avant-garde and being
3: sort of, like,
2: as extreme as you can. And that's sort of your design pitch. Uh Yeah. Uh, Yeah. But it's also, it was very international. We were doing competitions in, in Germany, in Italy, and like not that many in the UK actually. So yeah. you, you are in that sense when you're an office, like a London office, you are playing more internationally.
3: Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm.
2: I feel like what you use is your own style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not that much uh, interest in, in connecting to the locals. Because right, yeah. the idea is that you're bringing something that is different and that's sometimes what they want, these mm-hmm. exceptional pieces of architecture.
1: Right, yeah.
2: Uh, yeah, so like, you see the early work of Plasma Studios is quite defined, triangulated, sort of mm-hmm. folded architecture. Um, yeah. so in that sense, yeah, I feel like there was not that much of an interest to, to create a connection, like a cultural-social mm-hmm. connection that, that mm-hmm. was sort of the business we have this style do you like it do you don't like it mm-hmm. um, okay in china we sort of continue the same when we were still plasma studio uh-huh. because mm-hmm. we were we were playing as, as as the international design studio
1: right
3: and yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. many of the cities wanted that wanted this sort of iconic architecture mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. the architecture does respond to the site Mm -hmm. because we are doing all this like mapping and analyzing of uh, spatial conditions right but it it doesn't play that much at the cultural level like the cultural references are not that important it's more like uh, material that is on the site Mm
3: -hmm. which makes it
2: specific to to that uh, site but it's not really trying to play culturally Mm -hmm. Uh, then in cross boundaries, I think we, we get to play more with these cultural references. We we will try okay. to find these sort of icons and, and, yeah, like local cultural references. Like sometime we were like looking at, uh, I don't know, this bird that was common from this side and that became part of the inspiration for the shape.
3: Right. Um, okay.
2: And then here... In Sweden, so I'm working in Uppsala. It's Mm -hmm. the fourth biggest city, but this is still 200,000 people. Okay, Okay. It's a very small town. Uh Uh, It's very conservative in terms Mm -hmm. of uh, architecture.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: The discussion is very open. So when the government is going to build something, first they have to propose show the proposal in in the in the media in the newspapers Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then it starts like a like a public discussion like people send letters to the newspaper and facebook and blah 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 and it's very heated discussion
3: okay Um,
2: we just did one 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 project to locate the the art museum inside the castle there is a castle here Mm -hmm. and and it was like uproar in the city. Like people uh, were like, these architects. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the project just like, uh, it was just a feasibility study. And right. we had to do some sort of renderings to show the, the idea. Uh, it wasn't a project. It was just the possibility of having it there. Like does it work? Does it not work? Feasibility study. Uh, and then the project got canceled because people, citizens put too much pressure on, okay. on the discussion, and then the politician said, "Okay, uh, sorry, this project is not not going." Uh, and the same happens in in Stockholm. I've been involved also in, in big uh, in in uh, uh, interventions, and then public is very present. For example, uh, David Chipperfield designed and won the uh, the competition for the design of the Nobel Museum in mm-hmm, Stockholm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He won it, blah, 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 international, blah, 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 announcement. And then public, the public, the citizens of Stockholm started complaining. It got canceled. Oh. And now it's going to happen in a different place of the city because citizens complained that it would destroy the city
0: uh, skyline yeah.
2: or whatever. Um, so in that sense here, sort of where I, where I was trying to say, is yeah. that the citizens are very bold. In what a building will be. Okay. So, even if we propose any kind of building, citizens will have sort of the last word, so to say,
1: okay. especially
2: if, if those are public projects. And they have so, like
1: ways of organizing themselves about making themselves uh, heard, or?
2: It's all in the media.
0: Okay. Okay.
2: Like, yeah, I, I was doing the, 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 the introduction course the Swedish course that the mm-hmm. government offers and there mm-hmm. is a whole section like two weeks of how you can express publicly oh wow and oh, then wow. they teach you what are the the mediums <laughs> and how you address and how you should like do it is it the newspaper is it in the blogs is in blah 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 so it's just, it's quite structured the the way you express your opinions here
0: <laughs> but then I, I think what is also very uh I mean the, the question that i then want to ask is when you guys are designing or collaborating towards putting up say for example something like that art museum inside the castle uh within discussion how much does this uh, the question of the citizenry kind of uh come out during the design process, during the design process does it does it have its uh sort of impact uh in the design process as well like are you guys talking about it, or yeah? Here is
2: a very tricky ground because okay. if you try to use this sort of cultural references, like the building looks like a Something. bird, yeah, or,
1: or a, a mountain,
2: or so yeah, they they are very skeptical about it. It's uh-huh. like it's like no, come on, that's it's it's sort of like it's too cheap. Like don't don't come Kitch. to me with yeah yeah. yeah. yeah it's like. Don't sell me that. that. That is not enough. So what happens is projects here go really fast into costs, into, cost,
3: ah, into okay. the,
2: the specifics, like how much is going to cost us as a city uh, to, to do this. So you have to run numbers quite quickly. So it's very pragmatic.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: And so there is no much interest either on, on, on creating fancy looking things. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the Uppsala uh, uh, market. Stockholm okay. is okay. a bit different. Because in Stockholm then you have OMA doing these really cool towers.
3: Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you
2: have 3XN. So there is a lot of stuff happening because yeah, it is a much bigger city. It's like two million people there.
0: Yeah.
2: Um yeah. So there there is more flexibility, I think, uh, in that sense in Stockholm, for example.
0: Okay. I mean, you know, like when we talk about these buildings which say look like a bird or these mm. kind of ideas of how they start uh, um actually these things also become um within the language of architects these kind of stories, right? Like, you know, this architect designed this building thinking about these uh, things ah. and then the next one comes and says, "But I designed it" thinking about it in this other aspect there's like a play of sort of references and cultures and also not just to the culture outside but also within architecture itself Mm. there is this idea of the discipline uh, as they call it so uh, what do you think I mean and you know when uh, we will be linking this in the description that is the article that you wrote uh, uh, on your on your blog uh, and you mentioned this idea of heroes, you know, and I just—we both just loved it because we were like this. Yeah, uh, I, uh, I love
1: the idea that someone still wants to really <laughs> sincerely say that uh, yes, I have heroes in architecture, and I love something about it, and, and you know, here's it, here it is. Yeah, and I think
0: uh, it's great. But then. Who are your heroes? Let's start with that. Like yeah, how, I think we're who? going
1: to get into deeper territory now because
0: yeah, it's,
1: a, it's slightly emotional, but yes, we want to talk about architecture, of course.
2: Yeah. Uh, oh, the heroes. Yes. Uh, so, yeah. I'm, okay, I, I will explain later, but I would say uh, Peter Eisenman. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Rem Koolhaas. hmm uh, then, probably it's going to be, I don't know, FOA, uh, Alejandro, Saera, and Farshid yes. Yeah. Uh, then, uh, UN Studio, uh, mm-hmm. Beba, Berkel, and Caroline. Uh, then, I was uh, I was a big fan of this Venezuelan architect. His name is Dirk Bornhorst. I think he was from Germany. Okay, so okay. He has this crazy helicoed building. Like mm-hmm. you can find it on the internet. It's like a a mall that it was on top of a hill. Okay. And it's like yeah. a mountain. <laughs> it's like okay. uh, it's like modern architecture. Okay, uh, all right. But he had these super nice uh, family houses too, like super mm-hmm. organic. Sort of like late, uh, late uh, Fran Lloyd right, but in the tropics.
1: Yeah, but a little bit like Brasilia, oh?
2: Yeah, kind of going into that direction. But the, 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 the houses geometrically were much more like richer. It was almost ah, okay. like sails and fractals kind of thing. Oh, cool. uh, oh. Really, really cool. Um, yeah, I was like quite a fan. Uh, Jan Nouvel. Hmm. It's quite. It was quite an influence. Um. And then. Yeah. And then uh, like like Paul Virilio. Uh, and Claude then. Uh, yes. And then. Yeah. The guys from Plasma, which I consider more like friends than <laughs> than <laughs> anything else. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I also had like a like an MVRDV period as well (laughs) (laughs) they were cool
0: (laughs) yeah but I think also I mean it's interesting that you set up this kind of very broad range of um, because all of them perceivably have very many different styles or the way in which they practice their architecture do you also notice a sense of conversation that is constantly going on between them like what is this and what do you think is the nature of this conversation yeah
2: yeah so um like now i said uh more put more names no? uh yeah. well mm-hmm. there are like, a couple of japanese Toyoito and yeah and yeah kasuyo blah 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 um i think what happened is that uh in in uni we had like a really nice uh collection of magazines like we mm-hmm. had all okay. of them mm-hmm. ga uh, JA the japanese one yeah. uh, we had an uh, architectural uh, digest or no is it architectural is it architectural design the AD the one yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah.
1: the one that does biographies
2: yeah like detailed. all about like uh, digital stuff mm, uh, yeah. and then uh, we had El croquis magazine uh-huh. and yeah. all the spanish ones like Quadrants. Uh, and oh, and and then we have domus Right. But yeah. around 2000, all these people were connected. And I think in part was because of these, uh, any uh, conferences, the, so uh, the, which ran for 10 years. I think it was a uh, Peter Eisenman's uh, wife is uh, Cynthia Davidson. Right. Yeah. Like, they organized this one. Any each magazine. Year. Yeah, yeah.
3: yeah.
2: And there there was like, anyhow, anywhere, any, any, any. Yeah. yeah. And then. It was 10 years and they, they brought all these people together, the Japanese, the Spanish, yeah. everyone was there.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And you could get that sense of connections between all these people. Uh so all are connected. Uh, MVRDV worked for OMA, uh, but then OMA is REM. REM uh study with uh, Peter Eisenman in New York in this uh design urban institute design uh,
1: institute, yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. Uh, pretty much like, and then uh, uh, Ben also worked for uh, OMA at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Farshid and Alejandro studied in Harvard. Uh so it was all connected. I think at the beginning, even uh, like Philip uh, Johnson was still alive and he was still sort of saying who was who in architecture. Yeah. Um, so it was a time where it was easy to follow this sort of networks of, of architects because it yeah. was quite filtered. Like even magazines were quite filtered. So
1: very curated.
2: The, yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, yeah, then it comes the explosion of, of, of all these uh, blogs and web scenes and, and it was harder to, to track who's who. Uh, but yeah, no, yeah, you, you're right. There, there, there were some... Uh, clear connections between all these guys. So so there's like threads. Um, it sounds like their production is sort of uh, different, but, but yeah, you could create links between between these people.
0: Between all of them. Yeah, and I think also uh, in your article, you mentioned uh, these links are also not just, um, I would say, very uh, colloquial in a way that, you know, this person studied there or things like that. It also ref- started... After a point reflecting in practice, at least in the decade of the 90s, when you see uh, starting with the Max Reinhardt house by Peter Eisenman, then going into the Mobius house by Ben van Berkel, and then the big culmination in the early 2000s with Rem CCTV tower. And you talk about it in your article. I think this is a good point maybe to get into that discussion as to how do you See the these three in this chronolo- uh, chronological sphere kind of link up. What do you mm-hmm. think about um, these three? What is this? What is the connection, or how do you read it?
2: Yeah, so we said uh, Eisenman, uh, uh,
0: Ben van Berkel, and uh, Kulas.
2: you uh, yes, okay. Uh, so yeah, one thing is this is this is sort of like academic. Architecture,
3: right? Yeah.
2: I see in all of these offices, all of them are real studios doing real projects, but actually, all these projects are funded by these guys teaching. <laughs> so pretty right. much, they pay for their offices because it's yeah. it's just too experimental to to make it work as a as a, as a proper um, office. So what, with that, what I'm saying is like it's very sort of avant-garde uh, academic mm-hmm. uh, kind of mm-hmm. work uh and that already uh, sets sort of the, the 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 connection between them uh so if we start with uh peter Eisenman, uh so we we put him in the sort of deconstruct, deconst, deconstruction uh mm-hmm. era yeah and then that we have to link it to what was going on in architecture we call it deconstruction but in the world of philosophy, you call it post-structuralism, right? Yeah, um, because this Derrida is part of this school of uh, larger group of post-structuralism, which mm-hmm. in, will include Deleuze, Foucault, and all, all these guys. Sort of the 68. also
1: Virilio and yeah, Virilio
2: yeah, yeah. is there, and so all these sixty eight guys are are the the post-structuralists. Um, May, May sixty eight in
1: Paris. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. please look it up.
2: Uh, so yeah, so um, <laughs> I guess like if we take just like a step up, uh, back to why this is post structuralist. So the the reason is there is structuralist uh, in the fifties and sixties, mm-hmm. which is more related to language. Uh, mm-hmm. You have Saussure, and then these people talking about trying to explain language, but in terms of uh, opposites, um, like uh, I don't know categories like male female black white and it's always like opposites Mm -hmm. Uh, it's this binary way of understanding the world Mm -hmm. Uh, so this was 50s and 60s it's kind of useful as a system but then after the uh, uh, the 60s then the structuralists these are philosophers come and say no that's too limited it's reality is not like that it's not black and white Brand, yeah. uh, reality is, is a whole range, from yeah. white to black and everything in between, yeah. and uh, and this is what Peter Eisenman then is trying to do okay. when he's an architecturist.
1: Fact, he begins with Chomsky, who's a who's a grammatologist and a structuralist. He begins with Chomsky's. Understanding, but he doesn't do it the way it was done in Europe because Chirag in his master's also studied this in extreme detail about uh, this binary that you just mentioned about the West mm. and the East and the, the Dutch structuralists, Herman Hadsberg and these people mm-hmm. were going into, um, let's say, social and cultural milieu outside Europe with the idea of this binary bringing in something else from mm-hmm. the outside that is well done well matured and that it would not have sort of social consequences of what europe's been trying to do before the war
3: mm. yeah Mm-mm-mm.
1: and yeah, th- it's... i just wanted to add because eisenman also begins with that but he begins in a like he, he's led into the post structuralism in a slightly different way right
2: yeah of course he he started with the with the is it the the, the five how the the,
1: uh-huh. the houses
2: no, no, with the group, with uh, Michael uh, Gray. Ah, uh, the New, New York, and, York uh, Five. Yeah. The New York Five, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, he, he comes from like a long way back. Yeah. But, but yeah, when he started doing these houses and this stuff, is uh, we're talking, yeah, 80s?
1: 70s, hmm. 80s, yeah. Yeah,
2: um, yeah so then the, uh, is, we're talking about then post-structural, post-structuralism. Yeah, in uh, this particular case, Peter Eisenman is is, is speaking on on Derrida. Uh, he works with Derrida even in a project for in France for one of these competitions. Park de la Villette. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then the idea is, is this, no? Like, like architecture is not like one thing. It's not this binary inside mm-hmm. outside. Yeah. Let's try to explore everything in between. Yeah. And 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 this idea, Derrida was saying, like, yeah a text doesn't mean one thing.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Whoever reads it will read it in a completely different way because everybody has a particular and specific background.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: And this background makes you read things in a different way. So a text it never means the same for, for everybody. Um, so there are these multiple meanings that can, right. can be uh, embedded or in, into something and then, Peter Eisenman is, is Peter Eisenman is trying to do that with architecture. Like, is yeah. it possible to explore, sort of explode, and and reveal all these different readings of yeah. a of a project? Uh-huh. And that's yeah. the game of separating structure with uh, um, walls and floors and everything is sort of even in different positions where it should be. But uh, is this yeah, idea of forcing you?
0: I think it was also uh, within this a sort of critique of the structuralist uh age of uh, or the era of the buildings that they did but that is when that when like you said each like derida saying that there is a different way because of the background with which a person comes from so it's not so easy to uh, export a diagram from place a and place it in place b and it for it to mean the same thing right like mm-hmm. and i think that is where eisenman uh, really shows it through his architecture because the structuralists it there are quite a few projects where uh, they, they 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 seemingly go into the vernacular and these old uh moroccan moroccan architecture and uh sort of these villages and then they just bring these um Kind of uh, configurations. configurations and forms, and then try to abstract them further and see how. I feel it was important <laughs> to sort of uh, destabilize a the a way of looking at the 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 structure of the design itself, like mm. how Aldo Van Eyck de- describes this as he says. So yeah, we've been seeing the apps and the nave, uh, the cross being there in all the churches since forever. But when I go to the Moroccan side of the world I see a lot of these uh different configurational diagrams that lie underneath which we must bring there and then see how it is done and then I think Peter Eisenman comes and says no wait <laughs> we need to uh, do a lot more with what we were doing right I mean that's I think somewhere where even you were uh yeah I mean yeah, yeah, yeah maybe you go yeah. along and yeah
2: <laughs> no it's 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 this is the time where, 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 for example, Michael Graves, which was one of these of uh, five yeah, of New clear. York, is yeah. putting uh, swans in the top of buildings mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and drawing uh, uh, weights and, yeah. and the facades. Yeah. Uh, so it's this completely, like, it's iconic architecture, uh, yeah. but it's very almost banal. And it's yeah. like, it's this crisis of architecture and I guess uh, the, the constructivists, architect architects are trying to find ways to get out of this, uh, mm-hmm. this horrible stage where we are like, trying to use cultural references, but it's not. It's just the, the shed of the Las Vegas thing. It's, yeah, it's yeah. like a facade. It's, you, you're not really digesting anything. It's just like a sort of flat image that you're pasting on, on buildings.
1: And they always called it production of new meanings,
0: and which I mean... they were,
1: yeah, yeah, which they were trying to attempt, let's say it was always, um, can we, you remember, I think we once had a conversation about the floating column in an Eisenman building, uh-huh. that it, it it floats one of the most important things, anything for anything to be called a column, is that it at least has to touch the ground. If yes. it doesn't touch the ground, how can you call it a column? But the yes. way he places it in the space, which is which cannot be traced back to any orthographic uh, sort of way of drawing a plan or way of drawing a section that produces this visual effect or this aesthetic effect, you cannot trace it back to anything. Like this is, uh, but at the same time, once it's there, uh, you first call it a column, and then you have to add floating column because no matter what happens you, with the way it sits with the objects in the space around it you can't help but call it a column
2: yeah and yeah, kind yeah. of no
1: forcing this uh, confusion i guess
2: yeah like eisenman used to say that he like uh, he he wanted people to feel uncomfortable in his in his uh, <laughs> i don't know why designs. he said
1: it that way but
2: <laughs> but it's just a way of uh, he, he didn't want people to just pass by his buildings. Like architecture shouldn't be this space that you just move through. Like it should produce something in you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, but uh, no, it's, it's good. Like, I mean, the houses in Eisenman were really important because he, he started understanding this idea of, uh, of working, uh, this exploding, this deconstructing mm. meant a process. He had to create all these different tools to come up with how to control all of these Uh, uh, mm -hmm. things Mm -hmm. that he was doing, all these grids. And it became like a procedural architecture Mm -hmm. at some point. And then you start seeing when he, for example, starts bringing external information into the project because the houses are quite contained, it's architectural elements only. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But of course there is meanings, that come from the outside so he has this university with a biotech uh ah, building yeah. in that one for the first time he brings like dna references this is in frankfurt I- yeah 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 quite iconic but yeah. it was like the dna um and he keeps exploring these ones i think the then the coolest one is this a uh, church uh, of 2000 it was a competition as a uh, for the vatican it, or something oh okay the Church of 2000, I think it's called. Um, okay. In that one, he was using the process of crystallization uh-huh. of a particular liquid, like how it goes from <laughs> liquid to crystals.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And then he he had like, the, like sort of screenshots of the different stages of going from liquid to crystal.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, and then from that process... Uh, from those uh, diagrams, uh, the, the shape of the building appears. And mm-hmm. I'm mentioning this, this idea of the, the procedure because this is the base for this diagrammatic architecture that later uh, people like Ben Barberkel is going to use. Ah, because okay, what okay. they're interested is, is in this, this thing that moves through time, like th- this process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like you are not playing anymore with static elements. But you are seeing architecture as something that has a, a a movement that is used through time.
0: Okay.
1: Are you saying also that the three projects we mentioned, the mo uh let's say the Max, if Reinhardt. we go chronologically, the Max Reinhardt, then the Mobius, and then the CCTV, do you see do you think the 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 procedural within the diagram also sort of develops into um across of course, scale, because they're all three completely different scales from each other. But as a procedural method of thinking, or what Eisenman, I think, called the rational method, do you think this is common between the three projects? Because the base, uh, let's say, icon or symbol that is used for all three is, you know, the Mobius strip, uh, at least uh, for its uh, geometrical uh, rationality
2: uh-huh.
1: but then the procedures are all extremely different how do you see that
2: formally? yeah so in this sense i would say uh, so the mobius house is is a sibling is a is a is a it's a pro is a, is a, is, a, is, a, is, a is, is a like version two of what Eisenman was doing mm-hmm. so okay. it comes from the same lineage
3: okay so okay say.
2: Uh, which is uh, uh, procedures or diagrams that are reading, uh, trying to read time or trying to read a process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Either a process that is external external to the project,
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh, like context or something or another kind of reference, like this uh, uh, liquid that is becoming a, mm-hmm. a, crystals, or in the case of the Mobius house, is the, the schedule of the family, like mm-hmm. what they yeah. do, the routine they have during... 24 hours it's not walls columns we are talking about something else that uh-huh. is yeah. informing the building like how it's, it's gonna look at the end um, and, and, and it also reflects in, in, in the tower of, of Peter Eisenman as well like this idea of, uh, of, of an external uh, process that informs the, the building it's playing quite a bit with also with the idea of time but has mm-hmm. is going in a, in a sort of different direction it's mm-hmm. also diagrammatic Mm-hmm. uh is playing also with information in this case or data mm-hmm. so uh eisenman and, and, and the boys house is about data they they take data from 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 the context and try to inform the building with this data in this case this data is about a process something that happens in time
3: mm-hmm. uh,
2: but in the case of I uh Koolhaas, he's he's always playing with data but in in a more uh Uh, it's always about the program. It's programmatic data uses. And, and and it's always about rearranging these, these different uses and Mm -hmm. creating these novel conditions. Like what happens if we,
1: I think you described it as adjacencies and sort of a different kind of logic.
2: Yeah. Like the CCTV tower, it's very pragmatic in terms of a program. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: Like it's, Instead of two towers, what happens if we link it and then we create a loop so it's, it's, it's more efficient? Yeah. Um, and, and all the rearrangement of the program is quite intentional.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. And, and most of uh, OMA architecture is all about that. It's always playing around with the program, like where do I put the toilet, where do I put the entrance? And it becomes a tool to, to create a, a critical building
3: because mm-hmm. yeah. the
2: way it works is kind of different from any other thing that, that you think mm-hmm. uh, but in that sense they also arrange the the program and at the and, and 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 at the same time they are also thinking about the circulation like how people move through this program so you see oma analysis are always about this how people move through yeah. the building but also how we place the program around that movement so it becomes like a a, a two thing uh For me, it sounds sounds kind of similar, like Mm -hmm. what uh, Eisenman and your Studio and OMA is doing. But it's not because OMA tends to focus on the program as such, uh, the activities of the building. There is movement and et cetera. But these other guys are more into not much about program itself, uh, but either conditions that come from the outside or...
1: Like formal manifestation of any... Kind of data, that yeah, they use. yeah,
2: like any other kind of like uh, diagram or data that you can bring in. in I mean, to, it, to make it
1: does take me back to Super Critical, where literally what you explained right now is kind of, of course, they are kind of celebrity guys in that room that day. But uh, I think I remember Eisenman saying the same thing about Kulas, but at the same time saying, if you're so concerned about program then why does the building look so radical? Like, yeah. Of course you want form. What I'm trying to ask you here is that what you mean here by uh, uh, pairing Eisenman and... Um, uh, I don't mean to put words in your mouth. I will ask you. This is a question. Uh, <laughs> uh, by pairing Eisenman and uh, Ben Van Burkle together, but uh, OMA. Uh, doing it differently uh, is that OMA wants to foreground something else as its practice, whereas these two will expose. Also, this is something you touch upon towards the end of your article where you're saying um, show how, how you do it, show what is involved, show everything, make it open, make the procedure Worthy of analysis for the community of architects and outside, and um, what OMA does, I'm not saying they hide it, but what they foreground, they don't hide uh, what the form is or how the ho- form, let's say, uh, is sort of brought up, brought out, because they also have like little, uh, which BIG does in a very different way these days. But they had, they had this tradition of making little diagrams of showing how this form is can be understood out of primitives of, out of geometric primitives or mm. something on those lines but they always focused on foregrounding this aspect of their practice you know they the iconic uh, seattle library section with all those colors there showing the reading area uh-huh. is this big volumetrically and in this odd looking color because the importance of this program adjacent to the one next to it works this way and you know that was really radical for them at that time yeah. why do you think yeah. they do that why do you think they foreground something uh, else instead of uh, the sort of formal manifestation and a direct link between the formal manifestation
2: yeah um, uh, rem rem Kulhas is very cheeky like he's a very <laughs> intelligent person and uh-huh. he has said it uh, publicly like he 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 doesn't want to reveal his references he doesn't want to talk he never talks about what he reads yeah. right uh, and the reason is because, I mean he's very leftish uh, uh-huh. but he doesn't want to, to to be portrayed like that in the media he doesn't want his architecture to be uh, linked directly to a political uh, preference right but mm. so when I was talking about like OMA rearranges the program in strange Mm -hmm. ways. The strange ways are not strange. The strange ways they do are always anti sort of capitalist, very leftish. Like when you see the the Prada uh, boutique in New York.
1: Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Zoho has no public space. Uh And then suddenly he puts a square inside of a boutique. Yeah. Yeah. And this boutique, crosses an entire block so anybody can come inside and just like use the space of the boutique
1: Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. uh, and it's a highly aestheticized space yeah
2: but he's OMA is always doing these uh, uh, Troy horses
3: Mm -hmm. yeah
2: always so in this case he in they put public space inside of a Prada store or the CCTV tower (laughs) which is a, uh, later, he said, they said, uh, the CCTV tower is actually a democratic building because as a shape, like it's so weird that when you see it from different angles, you see a different shape. Sometimes it looks just like an L. If you look at from another angle, then it looks like a sort of O. Frame. It, It always changes. So then he says, that means that the government cannot use a single image to say this is the CCTV Tower. So they sabotage the whole project of the CCTV Tower. The government is asking them to produce an icon that they can show to the world, like how fantastic we are in China as a government <laughs> and have this fantastic building. But then the building has no one image; has multiple images. Yeah. Um, this uh, he said it. Rem said it. So it becomes a, a, a democratic kind of icon and it cannot be used by a government as an image of their power.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: So OMA is always doing this sort of double agenda of we give the client an amazing functioning, amazing, uh, I don't know, blah, 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 building. They buy into it. It's awesome. Looks awesome. But then there is this whole agenda of uh, <laughs> creating this uh, counter kind of a space um, that is very political. Mm-hmm. But you're right. Rem doesn't reveal his sort of true intentions or, or his political agenda, and that's tricky. Like if you don't understand that, then then you miss like a big, big, big a big uh, important part of his work. Um, but these other guys, the the the, the Ben Bamberg the um, Peter Eisenman, the Fashid Moosavi, FOA, mm-hmm. Greg Lin. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they are all part of the same team and <laughs> these are interested in what they call the the autonomy of architecture
3: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: which is a bit of a strange word but but in theory in, in summary it's basically saying we want to reveal what architecture is like we we want to show everything what architecture is about like, how is it done? Like, what is the process? And this is the idea then of the process and the diagrams. Like, this is. They
1: also claim, though, that there is a certain, uh, I don't know if it's right to say infinity, but there is a certain sort of uh, proliferation of forms uh, and uh, meanings possible within what is already architecture. And that's their claim for the autonomy, right? That not all the reference doesn't have to dominate. But within architecture, with whatever 5000 years of recorded history, there is enough uh, uh, formal uh, data, let's say, and cultural data that we can work and rework and rework uh, and produce new meanings, which is why this autonomy. Since you mentioned that, that's a bit of a strange word, which is why the autonomy or the autonomous project of architecture I mean, Eisenman loves saying this uh, autonomous project of architecture, it was sort of something that, like we just mentioned, uh, some four, five, six people across time, those that did the hand drawings and those uh, like Reglin that almost are responsible for the beginning of a very important uh, movement or time uh, in architectural design with the digital coming in. But they all sort of um, were... Let's say sold at least about the autonomous project somehow.
2: Yeah, right. Is 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 a tricky word because, um, uh, like in, in the article that uh, you guys uh, mentioned, yeah. uh, the, the, in, in my blog, I try to simplify a lot <clears throat> just to to get the the right the, yeah. um, the narrative a bit more clear because then mm-hmm. you, you you can see how uh, the steps are a bit clear. Because when you introduce the word and and i rely a lot more on, on the sort of like the philosophy story and the mm-hmm. the, the yeah. steps of like from Foucault, from Foucault to, to the less to um so it's easy to kind of place things uh, mm-hmm. uh, historically mm-hmm. but the 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 project of autonomy is yeah, it's a bit funny. Um, I mean, it took me a while to understand what they were talking about. It's like, yeah. <laughs> what is it? like?
0: Uh, yeah, I'm still working but, on um, it. Yeah. <laughs> we all but, are. <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> but no, it is connected then to to what we were just saying from like the difference between OMA and 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 uh, and these other guys. They're more diagrammatic. Eisenman and and mm-hmm. uh, UN Studio, FOA. these other guys. One is not revealing the. The, the sources yeah. or the intentions while well, these others are explicitly trying to to reveal uh, those intentions like where the the project comes from even the, the 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 concept like this eureka moment where we oh we have an idea this is the concept uh they say well no it came from these exact steps that we took and yeah. this is yeah. where where the building com- comes from and and that's very important uh, to to have this idea of a, of a, of a project that that is that clear, that is that accessible to everybody. Like everybody can understand uh, where it comes from. A consequence of doing that, of being that clear and open about project, is that your project is sort of it, it comes. Uh, it's it's it's. The, the 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 final product sort of comes by itself,
3: mm-hmm.
2: like is a consequence of all this uh, information that you collected, and then suddenly you have this shape,
3: mm-hmm.
2: yeah. as in a final shape. Yeah. So in that sense, I would say like it, there is an autonomy; it's autonomous; it's its, its own thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because there was there was no architect from the outside saying, "I want it to be like this," sort of a la Getty uh mm-hmm. style where, where he has a vision and then he shapes that vision uh in this case the final product the final building is just going to be it. It, it it's its own thing so in, in yeah. that sense it's autonomous so the, the whole autonomy i would say simplifying it is a consequence of making sure that your project is is that open and that sort of procedural where you can follow the steps of of every decision kind
1: of thing. I've always thought, uh, I mean, I think uh, I just wanted to first add that I think this is also Coolhouse is I think uh, popularly known history as wanting to be a journalist first in life, like docu- making documentary movies and things yeah. like that. And then uh, somehow this uh, Eureka or romantic moment of him discovering Moscow and uh, you know, before the wall fell, he uh-huh. discovers uh, some Soviet works and then he's he comes back to Europe wanting to be an architect uh, while being on a journalistic project. And And I think it also explains a little bit of his not showing his sources and references. But within this uh, autonomous uh, project, there is also this question that uh, that still bothers me and it's not very clear in my head. That there, there is this point at which the building, like you say, is just there. It's a, a, a kind of a result of its consequences, and the sources are all, uh, let's say, you know, shown. You know, the the references are all laid out there. Even the concept is carefully constructed, and the construction is shown. But there's always, and I think Eisenman has never uh, claimed otherwise. So I think. I not that I know of at least. Uh, but I think there is always this uh, economy almost this I'm using, this is my term, I'm saying economy of the parts mm-hmm. uh, that that I mean, if he puts two types of grids on top of each other to overlap to produce a kind of uh, interstitial mm-hmm. multiple sort of what he calls interstitialities mm-hmm. uh, between grids that are at two very different scales, And uh, the idea of subdivision is being sort of exposed of how subdivision works Mm -hmm. through grids and stuff. He must be putting them on two tracing papers and somehow sensing a point where he must stop sliding them over each other. If I were to go that literally. But once you look at the actual diagram, there is always an idea that he, he took he produced each part of the building separately as an interaction between multiple parts. And there was always this aesthetic sort of sensual aspect of, uh, this is just about right.
0: Mm -hmm. You
1: know, Mm -hmm. but not in the way that we understand Gary to be doing Frank Gary to be doing, but there (laughs) is this part of his work that, uh, is personally the most interesting for me of how he produces these, little fragments of objects, and then goes on to apply them to what is a virtual sort of abstract idea of a building and whatever program it might need or whatever function and use and all of that being important, it might need.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, um, yes, that's true. Um, uh, for example, uh, UN Studio, uh, mm-hmm. Plasma Studio, which is, was like a second generation after the, the Greg Lean and FOA right. and UN Studio yeah, generation, yeah. Um, yeah. they were quite interested in, in, the, in the aesthetics of a building.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: So I remember in school, I was following all of them and about the process and the process is what matters and how the building looks at the end. It's whatever, because what really matters is that he came out of all this information and the building is what he has to be like, Mm -hmm, it looks what it is to be. And then I remember I come to Plasma in my internship and I I produce a concept and then I gather all this information and diagrams. And then I take like one hour to explain where my shape came from with all these (laughs) like steps and blah, blah, blah. And then Eva just said, do you like it? (laughs) <laughs> and i was like what do you mean it's like yeah. do you like it or not <laughs> and then i'm like i was puzzled i was like but isn't it all about the diagrams like yeah why does it matter if it's ugly or not <laughs> and then and then it was quite clear like we as designers also have this role of creating beautiful things
3: mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs>
2: and then the mastering of the tools—it's very important because if you master the tools, then you can master the final look of of, mm-hmm. of a building. Yes, you are using all this data, you are using all this information, uh, you are revealing all your sources. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but because you master the tools, either a two D paper tracing grid or a programming a thingy right. yeah, yeah. You, you will produce or you are you should produce beautiful stuff like you can say i like it which funnily enough i mean, trying to create connections to oma <laughs> lately they said well we cannot do parametrics we cannot do this crazy <laughs> good looking stuff so now we're gonna do ugly modern looking stuff <laughs> and that's what they've been doing lately, like for the last ten years, like ugly stuff, like on purpose. Yeah. Uh, and
0: <laughs> it just
1: goes. I love, it. I love yeah. how you got there. That was a surprise. Yeah, but, yeah, the, but I do agree with you. Yeah, We're but then, away, man.
0: then do you think like um, the diagram still keeps uh, holding its kind of ground? Or do you think ah. it is distilled? Out yes. from situations, existing yes. situations. Okay. Yes,
2: yes. So this is like really cool stuff. Uh I <laughs> I like uh two or three months ago I started listening uh to the Santa Fe Institute podcast.
0: Ah, cool. oh, okay.
2: They were the the, the the these guys that were creating all this like uh complexity and dynamics and blah, blah, okay. blah, studies that all these architects in the 90s were using, now the diagrammatic architects, uh, Ben Beckel and all of them, Ilya Prigogine and all of these like, complexity shapes and fractals and ah, okay. things yeah. out of, uh, uh, yeah, all of I our have, like, complex systems. I, I have yeah. to look this up. Yeah, even me. I've completely yeah, yeah.
1: missed this, or I will see an image and then I will probably know better.
0: Yeah.
2: yeah. No, no, so the whole idea of like chaos theory and uh, uh-huh. being uh, oh, Okay all this like studying complex systems and dynamical mm-hmm. systems yeah,
0: cellular automata and things all of this stuff like I think most at some of point, this... Mark Wigley was also yeah
2: yeah so a lot of this came out of this Santa Fe Institute in in the okay. United States okay now what happens right now is that because of the explosion of data yeah suddenly all this matters again because these guys, the Santa Fe Institute, they were the ones doing this whole agent-based modeling mm. back in the day. Like we're talking about 90s or maybe even 80s. Yeah. They, they designed the models and they could do some agent-based modeling uh, simulations. But the data was so little yeah. that whatever they simulate was not that, in, that important at the end. Yeah. But now, because we have all these available data and all these like algorithms and blah 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 suddenly these guys are agent-based modeling is like amazing because now we can get new (laughs) insights of all this stuff Uh, so that is to say (laughs) that that that's been the idea like the idea of the diagram is to bring information and you can sort of simulate and run different options and and uh the parametrics is also the idea that you bring information different inputs and then your building starts sort of acquiring some sort of shape some sort of state where things are working in a better way more efficient way etc etc cetera. Et cetera. Um, so it there is a revival so to say now because of mm, okay. of, of, of of data the diagram is the key uh, um, to 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 be able to master this, which is a problem that is... Oh, sorry, I'm, I'm jumping into a different topic now, but... <laughs> go ahead, a, go ahead. It is a problem that we have now because nowadays everybody can do grasshopper. All the companies can do daylight analysis in grasshopper. Everybody's doing the the, the desks, uh, arranging by themselves in an in mm-hmm. office plan. But what is lacking... Is this diagram that connects everything. It's as if everybody learned about the tools, but hmm. everybody forgot where these tools came from. Uh, or what they, they were
1: yeah. hoping yeah, to achieve with these tools.
2: Otherwise, then you just like apply one daylight analysis, fine. Then you apply this other one. And, and it's like, there is no connection, no intention of...
1: You should of slide like, the louvers on the facade and figure out which is the best position at 3 p.m. and done
2: yeah but the whole project that came from like eisenman and then these other yeah. guys of revealing your design process is kind of lost because they also, jumped.
0: but do you do you think like the diagram is uh or was in a way in the eisenman and i might be completely uh i'm trying to connect these two situations like you said there's a revival of the diagram now so Do you think that during the Eisenman early 90s, Ben van Berkel time, it was a pre thing? And now, because of the explosion of the data, the key difference is that the diagram is now post idea, like the diagram has to be made afterwards after a sort of very Uh, uh, choice based.
1: Do you mean that the diagram was being discussed in different terms back then?
0: Yes, yes, or was
1: it still being discussed in these terms, with the Santa uh, Fe stuff? Yeah, because I'm asking to figure out: Does it have an impact on sort of um, maybe on an ontological level or a philosophical level in terms of uh, the production of meaning through architecture? Yeah, this this shift, even if we were to call it the same diagram, because back then I remember the terminology or the phrase that was common was. Uh, at least in uh, an essay by, let's say, Anthony Widler, it would say that that it's in a state of becoming. Always the diagram that yeah. it it does record and represent, uh, not essences but uh, qualities of uh, uh, that must um, manifest in in a piece of architecture. But it is in a state of becoming. It doesn't. It's not a prescribed uh, sort of formula. That that's why we call it a diagram and now uh, even with this shift uh, towards uh, let's say agent based modeling of of spaces or of behaviors or of uh, any other aspect for that matter it still has a, a connection to of course being in a state of becoming in a different way but uh, how does the, how does the, does the question of producing different or new meanings uh, either philosophically or sort of specifically ontologically still uh, uh, work, especially for you in your understanding and how you see the diagram? Does does it still work for you through this sort of post-digital or whatever you want to call it uh, time where all that data has now become available? And now yeah. how does, because it's a little bit, I don't know if I'm jumping or I'm going to confuse you, but it's a little bit also going to that thing that you mentioned about uh, a place in Sweden where they would say, oh, don't tell us it's a hill or a bird or a wave, Mm. Uh, give us the cost. But then that also, doesn't it feel a little bit, of course, I don't want to make a building that looks like a bird, but I'm saying, doesn't it feel like the meaning is being put in the background, an architectural meaning is being put in the background by the masses you know, by the people who want to see how much of our city taxes will be paid, yeah, and if the cost uh, is too high, it's not worth it. So how does meaning come into play for you now with the diagram? Yeah. Uh, Sorry, I had a very long question. I didn't think I would take that off. <laughs> <laughs> no, this
2: is good stuff so I would say um in in a, in our particular case uh, here yeah. our local case um so yeah we we ended up in this like. Okay, don't don't give me the the, the this funny Reference. explanations of, of right. like iconic yeah. and analogies, just tell me how much it costs. Uh, but the truth is yeah. the discussion, like the, the mayor here in the city, uh, when he un- made the official announcement that this project is not going anymore, like this one of this castle, he specifically said the discussion was very low.
3: The As discussion very was very?
2: Superf- very low, very superficial. Okay.
1: Okay. Oh, okay. This is the mayor criticizing the people. Interesting. Yes,
2: like saying, uh, yeah, okay, your, your, your voice, I'm uh, hearing what you say, we cancel the yeah. project, fine, because that's what you asked for. But yeah. I considered that the discussion was not at, at, the, at a good level. Mm. Like these okay. were really silly arguments. I would say, Precisely because we architects now just show like a quick idea yeah. with costs, and there is no narrative.
3: Mm-hmm. There is okay. no
2: time to produce a proper narrative for a project. Mm-hmm. There was no time to link our proposal, even though it was a feasibility study. But there was no time to study a bit of history of uh, mm-hmm. create some cultural references or linkages to the to what we were proposing.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Then the problem is people take the images literally. Like what we show, even though it was very sort of meant to be abstract and 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 just a feasibility. It's not even the, the the project. Later there would be a competition mm-hmm. for the actual thing. People just see the image and they think, oh, that's the final result. Yeah. Even though we work on it for two weeks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> They think, oh, that's, that's horrible. Like, we don't want that. But, but you are interested in the numbers. So now what, why are you asking me about, like, if, if it looks ugly or not?
1: Yeah. 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 There's always so, this confusion.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's as if we do want to feel connected to the proposals at a yeah. deep level. Yeah, And the image should reflect that. But because there is no time, then we, we cannot produce that. So there is this divide, this sort of clashing right now. Uh, and, uh, and yes, I think in that sense, the diagram will help because the diagram creates this, allows you to create this build up. Uh, okay. You can also include cultural information as, as, right. as part yeah, of the yeah. build up of, of, of a project using a diagrammatic uh, uh, way. So you do are revealing, you're showing all the references. There is no ideas coming out of, uh, out of nowhere that you cannot explain. Like everything mm-hmm. has been laid on, on the table. On top of that, there is going to be cultural references and then people feel a, 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 an attachment, a linkage to to the yeah. result. And the discussion can be different. But um, so in that sense, you... it's still relevant. Like we, the diagram definitely is, 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 is the thing that that, uh, that we should use. It's important to say that the diagram, like in this case, I, I would argue that uh, a thousand years of nonlinear history of uh, Manuel de Landa is a mm-hmm. book that we should yeah. all read. Yeah, because mm-hmm. in in that one, then you understand that the diagram is is not the diagram. That for yeah. example, he explains that there is three different diagrams. Uh, uh, the the one that defines the geological the ones that defines the bi- biological and the ones that defines the, the cultural mm-hmm. but the three of them sort of run parallel so you can see yeah. the one of the geological it will help for will be helpful to explain for example uh things in society still like right. the hierarchical systems can be explained using the geological diagram mm-hmm. um, wow. and then this these three stages, uh, actually, uh, it was de les, Gilles de Les who proposed those three stages, but Manuel de Landa explains them very, very well. Mm-hmm. Um, so the diagram is not just like one. It's, there is different versions, different kinds of diagrams. Uh, and I'm saying this because this is also then what um, the complexity studies, dynamical systems, the Santa Fe Institute is trying to mm-hmm. do. Like mm-hmm. they've been studying all these complex systems and then they say, yes, there are some things that look chaotic, but when you go inside and study them as a system, you realize that there is a sort of logic behind them
1: right. and they are yeah. the ones
2: who came up with these words of like attractors and, uh, yeah. uh, and yeah, like field of possibilities and the state spaces, uh. Yeah, it also reminds
1: me of the Stan Allen uh,
0: field project. The ah uh, yeah, you're talking about this. Uh, yeah, he, he talks about the fields. Yeah, I know. I cannot remember the essay, anyway, but, yeah, but it, yeah, sorry.
2: So what they what they're just saying is like there there is things that are static. Yeah, but there is also things that have movement and are always moving. in random, but they always have a pattern. But basically yeah. what they were saying is like, there is a diagram yeah. in the background. Even if it, it, it does crazy, there is always some sort of structure underneath it, which means it's a, it's a diagram. So there is diagrams for, there is for, for different sort of kind of situation. In this case, Manuel Delanda talks about three of them. Um, mm-hmm. And this is important because this, this whole idea of the dynamical systems uh, mm-hmm. is what helps us understand that things are not black and white. Mm-hmm. but there is always a range like what you were saying like things they becoming it's, yeah, it's yeah. sort of there but sometimes leans to this side sometimes leans to that side and then sort of comes back again to this this point
3: um, mm-hmm.